So if you have your Bibles, and you could turn to Luke 5, 27 through 32, I'll be reading out of the NIV version. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. Well, this morning we're uh, <clears throat> we're going to beginning uh, beginning a just a two week uh, quick study on uh, that will draw our attention to one of the most common ministry practices that we see Jesus getting involved with throughout the, the New Testament. Throughout the Gospels, we're told that Jesus was known; uh, he had a reputation for spending much of his time at the dinner table, eating and drinking with others. He visits the homes of outcasts and breaks bread with sinners. He accepts invitations to be the guest of honor at the home of Pharisees and social elites. And he even miraculously provides food from time to time uh, for for thousands of people. He fills fishermen's nets with with catches until the the nets are almost bursting. And he even enjoyed a picnic with friends shortly after his resurrection. Food, drink, and magnificent heavenly banquets also feature prominently in Jesus' descriptions of what the kingdom of God will be like and, and what people can, can hope for and hope toward uh, as they think about what it means to draw closer to the Lord. And of course, Jesus said that he himself is the living water and the bread of life. He is the only one who can satisfy our thirst and, and, and hunger and the deep longing of our souls. There's just something about food that, that happens to speak to us, to speak to all of us, to draw us all closer together. There's something about sitting at a table that breaks down barriers and creates opportunities for for understanding and allows both blessings to be given and received from all who gather together there. And Jesus knew all of this, so he uses the dinner table throughout his ministry as a tool to gather the unlikeliest people together, sit them down side by side, look them in the face and say, I want to tell you something about the goodness of God. I want to tell you something about what his love is like and the kind of life that he wants you to live. And he does all of this between bites of fresh baked bread and and the sips of good wine. So this week and next week, we'll take a closer look at what it means to to have dinner with Jesus, what it meant for for the people back then and what we might be able to learn now for our lives and the way it can change us, shape us, and help us think more about who sits at our table and who we invite to, to take part and in, in, uh, in sitting down and enjoying a meal together as well. Today we'll be doing this just by looking at what happened uh, when Jesus encountered a man named Levi in Luke chapter 5. And again, in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. 
So the passage begins with this, this man named Levi, and he's a tax collector sitting in his booth, presumably going about the regular routine of his day, collecting that which was owed to the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman system for collecting taxes at this time was both pretty clever and pretty corrupt. The empire would actually put out bids for the collection of taxes. So people would come forward and bid on the opportunity to, to be the person collecting those. And if they won the bid, it was then their responsibility to collect what was asked for and create their own commission by asking for more than was, than was strictly due uh, in, in their taxes. And so what this amounted to was that taxation was driven by greed and gathered through extortion. And there was really no way to avoid it. There was no higher court or higher power you could appeal to in order to double check, you know, am I being asked to pay the right amount? There was no way you, you, know, where you could, could go to, 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 to appeal this process. Uh, whatever the tax official said you had to pay, you had to pay. And pretty much everybody knew that more often than not, you were paying too much. All of this led to the Jewish people having a deep hatred for tax collectors. The job was considered reprehensible, and anyone who worked as a tax collector was regarded as a traitor to the nation of Israel and a traitor and an enemy of God as well. They were considered among the very worst of sinners. They had no honor, no respect, and no love among the Jewish people. So it must have been pretty shocking for Levi to look up and all of a sudden see Jesus, of all people, uh, a rabbi, a teacher, a respectable position within the, the Jewish culture. Jesus walk up to him and say, Levi, come and follow me. You see, this sort of thing simply did not happen. Rabbis did not wander around the city and pluck their followers out of their everyday jobs. Most of the time, disciples of rabbis were carefully selected through a long process of theological training and intense testing. There were requirements that needed to be met for those who wanted to become close students of a teacher. And in addition to those requirements, there were also uh, firmly established social barriers to keep certain kinds of people, people like sinners, people like uh, <clears throat> the, the sick or the foreigner, or most certainly traitorous tax collectors, away from such a prestigious position. But Jesus doesn't care about such things. Or rather, Jesus does care about them so much so that he's committed to breaking down those sort of barriers that he knows to be wrong. And so here in Luke 5, Jesus sees this unwanted, excluded enemy of his own people, and he walks right up to him and he says, follow me. Now, why does Jesus do that? What is, what is he up to here? The answer is pretty simple. And it's what the gospel show us every, in, in every story. It's that Jesus came to be with sinners. Jesus came to be with sinners. He came to share life with people considered worthless, faithless, and reprehensible. Jesus came to spend time with the kind of people that the world would treat as outcasts, that the world overlooked or trampled all over. Jesus came to get close to people who struggled to keep God's law, who didn't always choose to do the right thing, who had histories filled with bad decisions and futures that were most certainly going to have even more. Jesus came to be with the broken and the hurting and the flawed and sinful people. That is who he loved, so much so that he desired to spend his days with them. Jesus came to be with sinners, to walk right up to, up to them and say, come and follow me. And over this past week, as I thought about this and, and looked at this picture of Jesus walking up to Levi, I became profoundly grateful for this truth. I am grateful that Jesus came to be with sinners because it means that Jesus came to be with me. That this man that I believe to be the son of God and the creator and sustainer of all things, the savior of all people, sees me sitting in my sin, 
sitting in my place where I'm doing things for myself, for my own selfish gain. And instead of giving up on me or walking away, he comes up to me and invites me to come along. Now, I am a man who struggles with impatience, sometimes too quick to speak, too quick to anger, and too slow to have any kindness. I am an imperfect husband, an imperfect father, an imperfect son, an imperfect pastor, and all of those imperfections mount together and result in, at, at times in me hurting people that I would rather help and harming people that, that I'm trying to serve. My imperfections come through, my sins come through, even when I'm trying to do good or, or trying to do that which I want to do. I have been a follower of Jesus Christ for more than two decades, and yet still, somehow, even with all my knowledge of what a relationship with Jesus is like, even with all my experiences of God coming through for me in my life, still, every day, I find ways to become a sinner once again. And yet, praise God, I believe that Jesus came to be with sinners just like me. I don't have words to express the gratitude that I have for, for worshiping a God like that, for having a savior like Jesus. And if you, like me, feel the weight of your own sinfulness, if, if you, like me, perhaps today feel the weight of your own sinfulness and feel what it's like to be a sinner, then, then perhaps you too can turn to be glad and grateful because Jesus came to be with sinners like you as well. He's not driving you away. He's not creating barriers to get away from you. He's coming right up to you right now. He's meeting you right here in this very place. And he's saying, yes, please come follow me. Come follow me because I came here to be with you. So how can you express your gratitude for a savior like this today? How might you respond to Jesus's invitation to follow him in his life? See, Jesus came to be with sinners. He came to be with you. And so what would it look like for you to get up and go with him today? We're told that Levi, after being called by Jesus, gets up and he leaves everything behind. And this is pretty wild. Most people probably don't just leave a stable job, leave a, a, a stable set of income and job security to get up and follow this wandering preacher that just pops up in their lives. But for some reason, Levi hears the call of Jesus, and that's exactly what he does. And then he takes it a step further. He invites Jesus over to his house, and he throws a big party. And at this party, he invites all of his friends, who naturally are traitorous tax collectors as well. In verse 29, it says, Then Levi held a great, great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this is probably a great party right up until the point that the Pharisees showed up. Why are they so bent out of shape about the guest list? Why do they show up probably uninvited only to question and complain about who Jesus and his disciples are spending time with? Well, it's because at this time and in this culture, sharing a meal with someone was relationally and spiritually significant. To gather with people at a table and to pass them food, to pour them wine, to sit with them long into the night, eating and drinking and, and having a great time and having deep and meaningful conversations, all of this was meant to create community. You were supposed to, to share life with the people that you were gathered with around the table. The dining room was a sacred space, so sacred, in fact, that you did not eat with people that you hated. You did not sit with your enemies and offer them seconds. 
You did not make your table a place of inclusion for the kind of people you thought were not right for you to be around. But that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in the home and at the table of Levi, the sinful tax collector. Because Jesus is not only willing to be with sinners, he's not only willing to be seen with questionable people, he's not only willing to spend time with those that that the world would see as deplorable, Jesus came to befriend sinners as well. Jesus came not only to share his presence with those who need him, he came to befriend them as well, to become close to them, to forge friendships and deep relationships with them. Jesus never kept a safe distance from the messy lives of the people around him. He pulled up a chair, broke off some bread, and turned acquaintances into friends, and friends into followers, and followers into the kind of people who could go out into the world and share about the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' willingness to befriend sinners in the sacred space of the dinner table confused and upset the scholarly Jewish elite because they used their tables as places to set boundaries. They saw food as an opportunity to prove one's own purity and loyalty to God, especially in comparison to others. Their dining rooms had restricted access, so only the right sort of people, the best people in Israel, would be welcome, which is a shame. Because a table of exclusion and a table of self-made righteousness has never been part of God's plan. If you were to look back to the prophet Isaiah and see the words that he wrote about the, the heavenly banquet, the heavenly table, the sort of meal that we can expect when we finally get to be in the full presence of God, you'll see that God's plan looks a lot different than a table of exclusion. In Isaiah verse 25, verse six, or chapter 25, verse 6, it says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make For all peoples, he will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, and aged wine, well-refined, because God sets his table for all the people who want to know him. There are no boundaries of merit or qualifiers connected to your history when it comes to meeting God in his presence. You just need the invite of a friend. Thanks be to God, that invitation is exactly what Jesus came to offer those that he sits with. This is good news for those who seek fellowship and friendship and forgiveness and more from the Lord, because you are welcome to be with him. You are expected. You have a place at God's banquet. And Jesus' invitation is for you to come and find your seat at the table. Even if you feel like you are an enemy of God, if you feel like you're, you're too far gone, you're, you're too far away from righteousness, you've done too much wrong, God could not, want nothing to do with you, the promise of this passage is, is that you're wrong because Jesus sits with sinners. Jesus may, sits and eats and gets closer to his enemies. The table is where he does some of his most magnificent, transformative work in our lives. So come and follow him. Come and sit at the table next to the one who can save you. And as you do, perhaps you, like me, will not only be overwhelmed with gratitude at all that Jesus has done for you, but also convicted by the example that he sets for you. Because this week, as I thought about what it means that Jesus befriends sinners, my heart was deeply moved to examine my own life and who gathers around my own tables. You see, the Pharisees couldn't believe that Jesus would share his life so intimately with people they believed were the enemies of God. 
They couldn't open their hearts and display, to, to the display of fellowship that Jesus was, was putting, up, putting out here. They, they couldn't open their hearts to those that they believe needed to be rejected, needed to be avoided, needed to be pushed away. And we all, if we're being honest, could probably, just like the Pharisees, come up with a list of people we believe to be the enemies of God. We could probably come up with a list of people we believe need to be avoided or rejected or kept at an arm's distance. People we think of as greedy. Neighbors we think of as nuisances. Members of one political party or another. Advocates for a way of life that we deeply disagree with and barely understand. You could go on and on and on. You could create your own list very quickly in your head. It is easy to come up with a list of people we believe are so far away from God that we need nothing to do with them. But look at what Jesus is doing in this passage, in his ministry, with every breath that he takes here on this earth. And ask yourself, how many dinner tables have I shared with the people that I think are the enemies of God? How many dinner tables have I shared with the people that I think are too far away from God, are sinners, are people that, that can be disregarded, can be rejected. How many dinner tables have I shared with the people that I brand as enemies in my life? Who gets an invite into your home? Who gets an invite into your Bible study? Who gets an invite into your life group? Are, are your tables, are the tables in your lives just echo chambers of your own opinions? Or are they opportunities for missions fields bursting with the potential for harvest and rich conversation with those who need to come to know the faith and love of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to befriend sinners. And if we're going to claim to follow him, we must do the same. This is both good news and a tremendous responsibility. So this week, look around at the tables that you have in your life. Who is sitting there? And what do you think about them? Do you sit back and complain about their lives and judge them from afar within your heart? Or do you scoot your chair a little bit closer and really listen to what they have to say? Give compassion to their story. Listen to what their needs are and understand better how you might be able to speak the gospel in such a way that it connects with the deep needs of their life and offers a chance for the Holy Spirit to change them forever. Because that's the example Christ sets for us in the gospel. He comes to the table to change lives. And we should do the same. Jesus has a beautiful answer to the judgment and complaint of the Pharisees. They came and said, well, why are you eating with these tax collectors and sinners? What are you doing spending your time with these people in this way? In verse 31, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus replies with, I am a doctor. Why would it make any sense for me to stay away from the people who are sick? He says, I am the savior. Why would I avoid spending time with the people who need saving? Verse 32 has always been a bit strange to me because when I read, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance, the question that pops into my head is, why wouldn't Jesus want to hang out with the, with the righteous? Like, isn't it a good thing to try to be doing the, the good things of God? Isn't it a good thing? Doesn't Jesus see it is a good thing for me when I, when I try to follow God's will, when I try to obey God? Why wouldn't he not want to call those that are doing that work? I don't think Jesus here is trying to, to make the Pharisees into the bad guys. I don't think he's insulting their attempts to live a good life, to live according to God's law. 
That's that, The Pharisees' passion was to try to live in such a way where they were in obedience to God's law. And there are things to be admired and respected in that. And Jesus, and this is important to remember, Jesus loves the Pharisees too. Jesus loves the Pharisees too. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll look at a story where he goes to one of their houses and has dinner with them. He wants to be with and befriend and save Israel's leaders just as much as he wants to befriend and save Israel's traitors. Verse 32, rather than being, than being this, this backhanded condemnation of, of the Pharisees, is just a simple declaration of the gospel. Because if Jesus had come to call the righteous, the truth is we'd all be doomed. Because in the end, all over this earth and through every age, there is one undeniable tragic truth, and that is that there are no righteous to be found. There are no righteous to be found on this earth who have enough righteousness earned on their own to walk into the presence of God without the help of Christ. It is impossible to do so. No one's getting life right enough. No one's getting obedience good enough to make it to God on their own. But nothing is impossible with Jesus, the Son of God, who came to save sinners by calling them to repentance. Jesus says, follow me because only I can change your life. Follow me because only I can change your heart. Only I can show you to where your seat is at God's table. If we were to go back and look at verse 28 and, and see Levi's response, remember we're told that he gets up, he leaves everything to follow Jesus. Levi understood this call, understood this moment as, as decisive. It, it, was a, it was a pivotal moment in his life. See, Jesus wanted to be with Levi and Levi wanted to go with Jesus, but for this to be done, a sacrifice had to be made. Levi couldn't keep hold claim to his former life. He couldn't keep on lying. He couldn't keep on chilling. He couldn't keep on stealing and expect that he was also allowed to walk with Jesus. So instead, he accepts Christ's offer. He leaves everything behind. He leaves this whole life behind, his livelihood, the, everything he knew, he leaves it all behind in order to follow Christ. Levi, a sinner, was called to repentance, and he said yes. All of us here today receive this same call. Jesus speaks to all of us, whether we've been Christians for 50 years or whether we're here and we've never made a decision about Jesus Christ. You could be here and, and not yet believe. This call still goes out to you just as it went out to Levi. Every day, Jesus says, follow me. And every day, we all choose. Do we stay and sit in our sin or do we leave it all behind and try to walk with Christ? So what do you need to leave behind today? What is your everything that needs to be abandoned for the sake of following Jesus? What do you need to leave behind today? Jesus came to be with sinners, to befriend sinners, to call them to repentance, but it is still up to the sinners to hear that invitation and respond to that call, to make the decision, do I want all of these things of my former life? Am, am I willing to, to let these things go? to walk with Jesus. That is a decision that we are presented with at the beginning of our faith and in the next day and the next. Do you want to walk away from sin and go follow Jesus? I hope and I pray that like Levi, you will get up and leave everything behind and follow Christ. Because there is a seat at the table with the Savior for you. And all you have to do is follow him there. Would you all please pray with me? Heavenly Father,
it is an amazing thing, a truly astounding thing, that we can be sinners, that we can be enemies of God, that we can be so flawed and so broken, and yet still, we can see you walking up to us and saying, please come follow me. Please come be with me. Walk away from that which you knew and walk into something new and good and righteous. Jesus, this week, please help all of us examine our lives and understand where we can be gracious in all that you have offered. Understand where we might be able to expand who's at our own tables or what tables we decide to sit at. And Lord, give us the humility to look at our lives and understand what repentance is demanded of us so that we might be better followers of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.